Our first lesson for this first Sunday in Lent is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, the fifth chapter. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift. By the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of one man's sin. For, fo- for judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. If because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Whereas by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel from St. Matthew, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. Forty days of Lent, special time for the Christian to seek the help of God in strengthening faith are always many things that are seeking to tear down our faith and to separate us from God. But at the same time, as we see in our gospel lesson today, God is mightily working in the opposite direction to overcome evil 
to strengthen us in our faith at all times. So it is always good for us to review again and be reminded how Jesus destroyed Satan's power to tempt us and to separate us from God. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If. Let's begin with what happened here. Jesus was fasting, and fasting is an important part of the Bible. In almost all cases, one little exception perhaps in the Old Testament, fasting is always a voluntary thing for God's people to do. Fasting means we give up something, but more importantly, fasting is about doing something else additionally seeking the Lord especially. Jesus was in the wilderness doing just that, preparing himself by word and prayer for the ministry of salvation that he was just at that point beginning. Fasting for us can be good in that sense too. Not that we do it in some way thinking we're earning God's favor, but rather doing it simply because we want to receive the favors of God by giving more time and attention to him and to his word. Satan certainly does not like when people do this. Sirach was a Hebrew rabbi. He wrote a book by that name, and it is in the apocryphal books, but in chapter 2, verse 1, it includes one of my favorite verses, My son, if you come forward to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for temptation. I've always seen this and believed this in my own life. When your journey of faith goes further down the road and you do find yourself being drawn closer to the Lord, you will also find that at the same time the road gets steeper, the obstacles get harder, And the winds and the weather and the storms that blow against you are just that much stronger. That's because the devil does not like anyone coming closer to the Lord. We begin in this temptation with Jesus, noticing that this world is covered with a pall of evil. We know this is exactly why Jesus came into the world. At his birth, it was said several times, that Jesus came to save his people from their sins. Many in the world do not accept this idea of evil, or if they do, they blame it on someone else. But the Bible tells us that we have all turned aside. We've all become corrupt. There is none that does good, David says in Psalm 14, not one. Evil is a reality. But perhaps an even greater and more important question than is there an evil Paul covering this world, I think a better question also is this. Is evil winning? Is it dominating? The world is filled with people who think they are on the verge of utopia. All we have to do is accept their religion, their worldview, install their government. We establish some new system of economics, a new lifestyle of some sort, and yet generation after generation, civilization after civilization, we see how that all fails. 
Matthew said, Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, because of lawlessness, it will be increased and the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. There's not going to be a utopia on this earth apart from God and his salvation. But it's not just the headlines of the murders and the crimes and the lies and the dirty, terrible things that human beings do to each other. The real root of the problem, as Paul said in Romans chapter 5, is in all of our hearts. We have to examine them. And when we do, we realize that we too struggle with bitterness, with rebellion, with insensitivity to the needs of others, doubt, lust, lying, jealousy, and so on. We're far from perfect in all of our thoughts, in our desires, in our words, and in our deeds. The devil came to Jesus with this sarcastic if. He is the one who casts doubt on all that is good, our conversion, our devotion, our obedience. This, he whispers, is what is failing. This, he lies to us, is what actually hurts us. Take rather, he urges, the path of least resistance. There is a saying, the crooked man and the crooked river are both alike. They both follow the path of least resistance. Jesus, on the other hand, is different from us. That's what the New Testament shows us over and over again, and especially in the gospel lesson of his temptation. He countered the twisted use of the word by Satan with the good use of God's word. Adam was tempted in paradise, Jesus in a desert. Adam was tempted by the devil to seek more than God promised. Jesus only held fast to what God promised. Satan does the same thing to us, promising more like every swindler on earth has ever done, with the goal of taking everything away. So what does it mean for us that Jesus overcame the devil and his temptations? He shows us how evil is defeated. We are, by our nature, slaves to sin. We're bound, we're broken, we're defeated. We're prisoners of Satan. The Bible stresses that. We are in a a prison whose bars are his lies. And when we believe in those, we are stuck there. And we fight each other and we blame all problems on one another or on God. And Satan delights in all of it. We may try to do good, and there are some in this world who certainly try to do good. But even that, at that, Satan laughs. Because all you're doing, if you try to improve government, if you try to take care of the environment, if you try to be kind to other people around you, if you do all of that without having the problem of sin and the lies of Satan overcome in your life, then you are doing nothing more than cleaning up and sweeping Satan's prison. We are all, as Isaiah says, like an unclean thing, All of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. But a beautiful thing happened. Jesus was born 
in that very same prison. Rumors were abounding that he was the son of God. Satan sought to destroy him in Bethlehem but failed. And now, 30-some years later, in the wilderness of Judea, he comes at Jesus again to try to turn him with his lies. Those lies, like arrows, struck the rock of God's word and were shattered and fell to the ground, useless. So Satan went on to try something else. He turned his own prisoners against Jesus to drive him to the cross, to pierce him with nails, to whip, to spear. But what happened there is the most amazing thing of all. Those things cannot destroy truth, love, and holiness. Truth and love and holiness, on the other hand, overwhelm all evil and even death itself. Paul in Romans was explaining that. The fifth chapter is just one little snippet of an entire book that really lays this out, how God in his grace and in his mercy, in his love, in his forgiveness, in the sacrifice of Christ, has indeed overcome Satan. In chapter 16 of that book, Paul says, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. As we hold fast to that word of salvation in Christ, as we by the Holy Spirit are led to the realization of our sins, the realization of the lies that are the the bars of his prison, We are set free, and now not only are we free, but along with Christ, we become those who also crush Satan down. Jesus said in John 8, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So today, tomorrow, and every day for the rest of your lives, Satan is going to keep coming at you, at me, with his lives with his lies. He always promises more and he does so only to take everything away. But God has given to us what we need and we know what we need is in Christ. We don't need Satan's lies. We don't need his promises. We don't have to cut corners. We don't have to fudge when it comes to spiritual things. We resist this lie just like Jesus did in the wilderness by holding fast to that word. Jesus obeyed for us. Jesus died on the cross for us. Jesus now reigns at the right hand of God for us, protecting us, and Jesus is also at our very side, fortifying our hearts with truth and with, so that Satan's lies, as happened in the wilderness, also bounce off like arrows against that stone wall of God's Word. In the Lenten season, I would urge all of you to hold steadfast to the Word of God. Pray that God would help you to know it, to believe it, to live it, and to speak it. This indeed will defeat Satan personally. This is indeed what will defeat Satan in this entire world and universe. In Jesus' name, amen. Please rise.